Classic. Polar Express, welcome everybody. Merry Christmas to all of you. New Lenox, Homer, congratulations on the new campus. Looking great. Can't wait to see the finished product. All you people online, we're so glad to have you here. We're doing Polar Express today. Let me just stop. If you didn't see last week, I, you won't get this, but how many of you killed Frosty this week? All right. Show of hands. All of our campuses. Yeah, yeah, right. Good. I got a hard, people were giving me a hard time because I was working on my Christmas lights finally this weekend. And they were like, I thought you were going to kill Frosty. And I, I am. I'm just. I'm not doing the ones up on the very top. I'm still doing something. Okay. Um, but the problem is, the more decorations you do, the the easier it is to screw up. Have you, have you seen any Christmas fails on the internet? I mean, come on. <clears throat> yeah, that, that, that's a fail. Uh, um, how about this one? Um, Santa, please stop. Here, where's Santa supposed to go? He's confused. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know. What about uh, this little boy? Took the time to copy the URL link from Amazon in case, that's just sweet, isn't it? That, that's hilarious. And then there's the poop tree. Looks like the poop emoji, I don't know, that's a fail. And then this guy decided to decorate the town. But don't they look like tidy whities to you? Because I mean, it just looks like you're driving under underwear through the, through the whole town. The more you do, the more you screw up. So just don't do it. That was, that was last week's bi biblical message, okay? Polar Express, uh, uh, there's so much biblical narrative in this movie. And I know you're, you're, some of you are going to be like, well, wait a minute, you know, Santa and, and, and that, it's, not the G, it's not, you know, Jesus story and all that kind of stuff. But listen, um, Robert Zemeckis, when he, when he made this movie, he was interviewed and somebody said, hey, what about all the biblical parallels in the Polar Express? And he said, hey, nothing in a movie this big gets put in there by accident. And, and this is just a great movie about belief. Boy catches a ride on a magical train outside of his room. Of course, it's going to the North Pole. And he's trying to figure out whether he believes or not. And there's a time when we all have to do basically the same thing. It's this question, do I believe? This whole thing made me think of one of the times when, uh, when Jesus called a child over. The, the disciples had been arguing about what was greatest, who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And it, it, made, it made Jesus mad. This is one of the times that, that Jesus got mad. I'm working on this in a book right now. And they'd been arguing about it. And Jesus called a little child over to the, the disciples. And he said, hey, see this little kid? I assure you that if you don't turn your lives around and become like this little child, you will definitely not enter the kingdom of heaven. Those who humble themselves like this little child will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Maybe like the adults uh, in this Polar Express movie, and maybe like uh, the main character boy who's struggling with it, maybe we are just overthinking too much. I mean, I'm guessing that we've all questioned our beliefs in God. Is he there? If he is there, is he good or is he far off? Does he care about me? All those kinds of things. Several times in my history, I was, I was thinking about this week, I would say that, um, you know, even though I grew up in a Christian family, I'd say this several times when I started, you know, really questioning my faith. The first one is just natural. It's in your teen years because there's something magical that happens when you become a teenager, and that is that you think you know everything. I don't know if you've gotten to this point yet, young people, but you're going to get there. Everybody else is stupid. Your, your pastor, your teachers, your coaches, doesn't matter. Everybody's stupid. And I didn't walk away from my faith at that point, but it did make me start to go, okay, is this going to be mine? You know, this is that independent time. Is it going to be my faith or is it my parents' faith? Then I got to college and I did my undergraduate stuff at a very conservative Bible college. 
And I, I was studying the Bible, but I was studying the life of Jesus in the Bible, and then I was, I was feeling all the disconnects between who Jesus was and what they were teaching me at this, at this Bible college, you know? I mean, like, Jesus was loving sinners, and it felt like we were supposed to judge them, you know, and, and, and be mad at them. And all this legalism stuff that was going on, and all, it seemed like Jesus was always hanging around the people that they were telling me that we were supposed to be against. You know what I mean? And then there were shocking revelations, like the fact that Jesus made and drank wine, and we were taught that that was a sin. I, I love, I love this picture. <clears throat> Somebody went into Walmart and had some fun, right? Um, and so, um, you know, it's made me to start to question, well, what is it that I'm supposed to believe? Not, not is there a God, but, but who is this God and who is Jesus? And this is the, the basis for the book that I'm writing right now. It's really, really crazy. They've got it on Amazon already. It won't release until June 11th, but you can pre-order it if you want to way ahead of time. Uh, what made Jesus mad? And the whole idea is we learn from what made Jesus mad. I think we learn from what makes people mad more than what makes them happy. And a lot of it well, is this dis connect between what conservative Christianity has always taught me and who Jesus really always was. Then probably the third time, um, and I'm going to get personal here, but the third time I started questioning my beliefs was after I got married. Because honestly, we were very unhappily married in the first years of our marriage. If you've been around, you've heard me talk about that. And my wife knows I'm talking about this. She would agree with you. We brought a lot of baggage and irreconcilable differences in from day one. Probably had a little fairy tale view of what things were going to be like. And, and, and you get into that situation and you're like, how, how could God let this happen? I thought, we, you know, we're working for God. We're supposed to keep going. How, how come this is so hard? And, and it's a sermon series for next March. I'm going to do one on, on marriage. We're going to, we're going to you know, hang on to that. Don't get divorced yet. We're going to, we're going to talk about that. But the, the, short answer is, um, the short answer is God didn't make us get married. If you ask me, she picked badly. That, that's how that happened. But, but God knew exactly what we needed. And irreconcilable differences have turned into inconceivable blessings 34 years later. And many of you are nodding your head because you know what I'm talking about. But sometimes you get in the middle of those painful situations and you're like, uh, how does this work? Is there really a God? Do I really believe? I mean, who is this, who is this God? And, and, and yes, Christmas gets confusing with all the peripheral stuff with Rudolph and the North Pole and Dominic the Italian Christmas donkey. I mean, my question, more importantly, is obviously, as we're here at church, let's talk about real Christmas. Let's talk about the first six letters of Christmas, Christ. Do you believe what it's supposed to be about? Do you believe that, that, that God loved the world so much and he loved you individually so much that he sent his son into the world as a tiny little baby to grow up and know what it was like to be us and to grow up and, and to go to, to, to the cross so that he could die for our sins and rise again so that he could show us that there's hope for our life. That part of Christmas, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So what I thought we'd do today with Polar Express is I thought we'd just take a look at two of the characters in the movie because I think they're a great representation of so many people as they approach belief at Christmas time. And the movie ends with a very profound statement. Uh, the boy who's now grown older is narrating the scene at the end. Of course, it's Tom Hanks. He says, at one time, most of my friends could hear the bell. Hearing the bell represented belief. 
At, at one time, most of my friends could hear the bell, but as years passed, it fell silent for all of them. Even Sarah, my sister, found that one Christmas she could no longer hear the sweet sound. And, here, and here's the truth part. Though I've grown old, the bell still rings for me as it does for all who truly believe. Does the bell ring, the real Christmas bell ring for you? Main character boy. We don't know his name. They never mention anybody's name except for Billy, who's going to be the second character we look at. They don't have a name. All we know is the main character guy. And his problems are intellectual, okay? I mean, they're intellectual. You get to, you get to this point where you're like, like I said, like in the teenage years with God, like, does, does this really make sense? And our culture is becoming increasingly skeptical about God. Fastest growing religious category in the, in the, in the, in the nation are the N-O-N-E-S's, the nuns. They don't believe in anything. They're, they're rejecting everything fastest growing category. And part of that is because we've done a bad job. And part of it is because the atheists are getting bolder. I mean, they're putting up billboards like this, where, where it says, you know, it's a myth. This season celebrate reason from the American Atheist Association. Those are up all over the place. And people are like, okay, well, I got some intellectual things, but I want to show you a scene from the movie because I think it digs into a little bit deeper what some of the issues are intellectually. Turns out to be a ghost, but you can see this scene with Tom Hanks. Is he right? <clears throat> Seeing is believing, right? So that was one of the characters that Tom Hanks plays in, in the movie. There's actually three. And uh, the boy doesn't want to be conned. He doesn't want to be duped. And that's basically what it is. So this character is trying to help the boy. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you know, seeing is believing. Am I right? Boy doesn't want to look dumb because believing in stuff I can't see is dumb. But then listen to Tom Hanks' character number two as a conductor of the train. As he starts to think about what this looks like, listen to the scripture. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. See, that's the problem. Is seeing believing? No, I don't think so. And in this next scene, the, the, the Tom Hanks conductor character is the one who's explaining a situation where he got saved by someone or something sometime, and he never did see who it was. Maybe it was an angel. Hmm. Interesting contrast, isn't it? I love the quote. Sometimes the most real things in the world are the things that we can't see. So which is it? I know a lot of people are out there, they're saying, no, 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 I got to see God. And that's the whole deal with main character boy is he's trying to see Santa and it gets to the scene, you know, it gets to the end and he's trying to see and he can't, Santa's always hidden from him. And the problem is that a lot of us feel like that. I've got to have physical proof. But can I ask you something? Are you putting a requirement on God that you don't require in other areas of your life? There are a lot of things I can't see that I believe in, in my life like love, like joy, like sorrow, like cell phone signals, <laughs> right? I, 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 so so how, do you, how do you know? I don't, I, don't, I don't see a cell phone signal. How do, how do I know? Well, I can see the effects of a cell phone signal. Uh, every single time I press talk or I hit send, I can't see what's happening, but I can see the effects. I mean, usually I'm on AT&T. It doesn't always work, but you, you see what I'm saying? It doesn't, but, but the problem with that is I will never see the effects of that unless I hit the button. I will never see the effects of love unless I actually love. I will never see the effects of God unless I believe in God. I have to take that step first. It doesn't work until I hit the button. 
Jesus told us this, anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoa, 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 hang on, Jesus. I want to I wanna know if you come from God or you're just speaking on your own. You're just some wacko. No, no, no. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out. Anyone who chooses to love will find out whether love is real. Anyone who chooses to hit the button will find out whether cell phone signals actually work. The Hebrew writer said, faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. And then later on he says, and by the way, without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Do you believe? I don't know what it looks like for you. I love this quote from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He said it this way. This, this, is, this is what I'm talking about. Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. And I get intellectual questions. I get it, okay? I mean, how do miracles happen? How can you prove them by science? Where did, where did the world come from? How do you deal with evolution and creation? How did, how did Noah get all those animals on the ark? What happened to the dinosaurs? I found that one out. That's easy. <laughs> That's funny right there. Listen, there are a thousand of in, there's thousands of intellectual questions that I can't answer for you. And I need to tell you up front, it's okay if you're having intellectual problems believing in God. It's, as a matter of fact, it's so okay that, that we're going to do a whole sermon series in January and early February called Explore God. You may have seen billboards up around town already because there are hundreds of area churches in the Chicagoland area. And we're all going to be doing it at the same time. So your friends and other churches may be doing this also. We're going to be preaching on it on the weekends. We're going to have small group material for you. If you're not enrooted and you've got a small group, we're going to have all kinds of stuff available for you to be able online, to be able to go in and explore God. I'm going to come back the first week of January, give you a New Year's message and get things rolling off to the right start. And then we're going to jump into this series because I want to help you do that. But here's the problem, right? It, it, even if that's an amazing sermon series and we answer a lot of your intellectual questions, actually, if I answered every one of your intellectual questions about God, my experience is that that's not normally what it takes for somebody to believe. You know, it's not. It's not often that I meet somebody who's like, okay, evolution, I, I, I got that figured out, check, dinosaurs, you know, Nephilim, all these questions, I got them all checked off, now I can believe. I mean, for one thing, you're, you're not, I, I don't have answers for all of those things. And I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna check off all of those things. And, and to be truthfully with, to be truthful with you, I, I probably have more questions than you do, because I've studied probably more about this. I have more answers than you do, but that just brings up more questions. I still have to choose to believe, and usually choosing to believe means acting in faith before I have all the answers. You want a good example of that? It comes out of your nativity scene. He's the guy we don't talk about all that much. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. 
But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, he was a righteous man, other versions say, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, which he could have done, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. You've, you've heard that story before. You know, this, this is in between Mary finds out she's going to have a baby and Joseph gets spiritual confirmation that she's going to have a baby. So if you're Joseph and you're in this part of Matthew chapter 1, do you believe Mary? Mary's story. Nuh-uh. No. I mean, he's a righteous man, but come on, Mary, that, that's, that's a little crazy. This is God's baby. He's going to be the Messiah. And then an angel came to him and said, it's true. And I know you're like, oh, man, yeah, well, okay, I, I could believe if I had an angel. Are you serious? I mean, do you not think that you would have woken up the next day after the angel appeared going, Wow, I drank too much last night. <laughs> wow, I ate, I ate some bad burrito, man. Something Was there an angel? But then what happens? And the reality is Mary's still there. She's still pregnant. And you are forced with a, with a situation. You're going to have to decide, did that really happen or not? And look what happens. So when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded. And he took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. I mean, he's taking on a lot of responsibility here. And he gave him the name Jesus. And, and, and when he woke up, it says he did exactly what God commanded him to do. He didn't have all the answers. As a matter of fact, all this obedience did for him was open up a whole lot more questions, Right? But he obeyed. Then after Jesus is born, an angel shows up and says, hey, uh, sorry, man, uh, Herod guy's kind of crazy. He's trying to kill all the babies. You need to go to Egypt. So what does Joseph do? So he got up and he took the child and his mother during the night and he left for Egypt. He obeyed, right? That's what he did. And listen, go to Egypt is not like go to Joliet. Go to Egypt is like go to Nebraska, okay? It's a long way away. So they go to Nebraska for a while, and then Psycho King dies, and an angel comes back and says, okay, you can go back to Israel now. And it's, look, watch, watch this as it transitions on the screen. It's almost exactly the same. So what did he do? Angel came, said, you got to do this. He got up, he took the child and his mother and went, okay? We'll say went instead of left this time, back to Israel. Joseph couldn't work out all the intellectual parts. He had to just decide if he was going to take the first step up the staircase. That's all he could do. And sometimes that's all that you can do intellectually is just go, I don't really understand this, but I'm going to take the next step of whatever it is that God's asking me to do. Maybe that's just being here with us today. Maybe that's just watching us online today. Whatever it is, you've taken the first step. Let's see where it goes. We want to help you. So you've got the main character boy, and then you've got Billy. Billy is the only one that's named in there, and he has emotional blockage, okay? Main character boy has intellectual blockage, but Billy has emotional blockage. And it's, it's hard to watch. It's pain and disappointment. And we don't know the whole story for Billy, but, but he's coming from a place where he's been very poor. You know, he, he didn't get presents from Santa. He hasn't had a very good life. We don't know the whole rest of it. But he keeps saying this line over and over again. He keeps saying, you know, things just don't work out for me. 
things just don't work out for me. And he's struggling with belief because of the pain and suffering thing, because of the emotional side of it. I can't imagine, I can't believe in a God that would allow this amount of pain in my life. And again, we'll wrestle more with that next month, but, but can I just ask you one question? One question when it comes to pain and disappointment, and I would never want to make light of it at all, but, but I have this question for all of us. Why is it that pain drives some people away from God and some people towards God? Do you ever wonder that? I mean, don't you see that happen? I mean, sometimes, sometimes it drives them away and sometimes it drives them towards and I'll give you a perfect example. For 23 years now on our staff, that, that is a long time, 23 years on our staff, we've had Pastor Lonnie Kehe. And um, Pastor Lonnie is in a wheelchair, and I'm going to bring him out, and, and we're going we're to talk about all this. Um, he's a person that pain and suffering, things not working out for him, sent him towards God. And he's a person that has helped a lot of other people figure that out along the way. And it's time for him to retire. It's time for them, uh, Lonnie and Don, to go back and be around family and help take care of aging mothers. As a matter of fact, Don's father passed away on Thursday. So she's down in Texas dealing with that. She was supposed to be here with us this weekend. It's just that time of life for them. And, um, and so they're going to be retiring. They're not leaving like today. It'll, they'll be through Christmas. Christmas and are building a house down on the farm in, in Oklahoma, but, but they're going to retire. So I just wanted to, I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking to Lonnie about this issue. And we put together a little video to kind of help celebrate him and his ministry. Making a difference. That's what we want to do, don't we? We only have one life to live. We want to make it count to make a difference in people's lives. Here's my hope today. I really want you to be ready to answer the call. It begins by loving others and reaching out to others. That's what we're about, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. And if we connect people, then we're making a difference. Do you love the way that Christ loves you? When they look at your generosity, do they see Jesus? When you're out to see your patients, do they think, I know who he's following? When your co-workers see your integrity, do they whisper among themselves, he's like Jesus? So how do we prepare for that calling? We make ourselves available. My challenge to you is to look for opportunities to use your gifts and talents for him. Ways that you can love others within the community. God has given all of us gifts and talents. So we have been called to love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors as yourself. I wonder if God wants some of you to look back on this day as your one day. I received this from a very good friend of mine. <laughs> And I mean this with all my heart. I love you, man.
Why are you smiling? I love smiling. Smiling's my favorite. I don't, I don't know, I don't know how, how we're getting through this. It's been a long time. Been, I mean, Lonnie was the first full-time employee other than me at this church back in 1995, and we've been Batman and Robin it for a really, really long time. And it's time. I mean, mean, you know, I've had this conversation with several groups of people over the last couple of weeks. I, I'm sad that it's, that it's time, but I'm also happy that it's been able to get to this time because uh, you know, from a health standpoint, we almost lost Lonnie 13 years ago. We were in a Christmas Eve season and he got a, an infection and got septic and I mean, they called the family in and we were having Christmas Eve prayer. And, and, and I mean, things happen to your body I'm when- still mad at you guys. Why, what'd we do? I could have been in heaven. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Just yeah. saying. Yeah. Don mentioned something about your insurance policy, too. Yes. But that, that's beside the point. It was paid up. Um, uh, it, uh, well, I mean, there, there, that, was, that was a bittersweet thing. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it, it's bittersweet for all of us when we think about being able to be in heaven someday. But for somebody that's trapped in a wheelchair, on somebody that's, that's in your situation, I, can't, I cannot wait to walk and run with you in heaven, my friend. I cannot wait for that day, and I know it's going to come. So, so tell us about it. Tell us, because tell us, uh, you weren't always in a, in a chair. Well, in 1974, I, uh, we were in Dallas and on our way back to Oklahoma, and uh, a lady pulled over in our lane and hit us, and we rolled three times sideways, went 20 feet in the air, and came down on the nose of the pickup, and that's what we survived. And so I, they took me to Baylor Medical Center in Dallas, Texas, and so I spent three and a half months there, uh, 200 miles away from any family. So uh, it was just uh, it's one of those times that uh, basically changed my life. It really did. Crushed, crushed vertebrae. I had three vertebrae that were crushed and paralyzed me from here down. And uh, so, of course, everywhere I go now, i got a seat to see. You know. Yeah. I, sometimes I sometimes I I buy tickets to events and invite right. Lonnie. I know. You know, not because I want to go with him, just because I want to sit, you know, in the good seats. Um, it's a beautiful thing. So what what you what you, what you don't what you don't understand? I, I mean, you know, I mean, it, it's it's tricky to talk about all this stuff. Lonnie is always so funny when it comes to his handicap and when it comes to this thing. We'll, we'll have a new staff in and, and he'll, uh, you know, <laughs> he'll start making jokes about, and the, and the new staff member will be like, am I supposed to laugh at this? And um, I, I can't remember, there was something we did to one of the staff one time and I started singing ZZ Top song. He's got. I, I change it. He's got legs and doesn't know how to I use, use them. them. And I mean, this guy did just crawled under the seat. I had to pull over because <laughs> we were laughing so hard. <laughs> We've had a good time. Um, yes. And and that's all on you, man. I mean, it's all all on you accepting and and going through this process right. and and figuring out what it looks like. What were you processing those three and a half months in the hospital? You're on a on a on a machine that's turning you over to keep the bed sores from going. It was uh, 
man, what a change. Um, I was thinking, you know, I grew up in the church, so I've always known God. And, and so it was just like one of those things like, is this really happening to me? And uh, I'm laying there in bed and I'm thinking, you know, I've had my mother and father's faith all my life, you know. I mean, they gave me the best gift of all. They gave me Jesus, mm. you know. And so I wasn't really mad, but I was just wondering, what's going to happen to me next? I mean, how am I going to survive this? And God, are you really real? Or are you really there, you know? I just, you know, you accepted it because you read the Bible. And the Bible, you know, I believe the Bible because the Bible tells me so and stuff like that. But I, I just thought, okay, will anybody love me? That was a big concern yeah, for me. Yeah. Um, you were 19. You... I was 19 years old. Would anybody love me for being in a chair? God, will you use me? I, I mean, I just, I don't know how that was going to happen. Yeah. But uh, I accepted the fact that uh, it's, it's going to be okay because I knew that God was with me every step of the way. And God did find somebody. Found a beautiful wife. A beautiful wife that, that chose you in the chair and has been beside you. Right. And you want to talk and about sainthood, <laughs> Saint Dawn. I yes, mean, she's she down is. taking care of her family right now. But um, Saint Dawn is amazing. And, and she's been married 40 years. 40 years. Been the one beneath your wings. Yeah. Um, just amazing story. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. She's a, she's a short lady. She's only... Five foot tall, and yeah. so I married somebody that uh, I didn't have to look up to, and <laughs> just saying, <laughs> just, just saying. What 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 has God shown you through all of this process? Now, I mean, now you're at you're at 63, and 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 I mean, like I said, I mean, amazing that you could. I mean, both of his shoulders are blown out. He can't have rotator cuff surgery because then. He would be handicapped. Then he would be handicapped. Great setup. So I mean, I mean, you know, plus he's got he's got family to take care of back in Oklahoma. The church is helping make sure that he can you know retire early and take care of all those things and and make those things happen. But but you can look back now on all of the journey. Um, what what has God shown you through it all? Well, I believe with all my heart that if I didn't have my accident, um, I wouldn't be sitting here today. I'd be doing something different. Mm. And I believe that whatever situation that came about, I know that God was with me. You know, as, as I, I've been studying uh, Psalm 23 a lot, you know, and, uh, you know, according to my mom and dad's faith, the Lord is our shepherd. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, he makes us lie down. Yeah. But then... If you study it, he doesn't say that. It says the Lord is my shepherd. Yeah. He makes me lie down. And so he became so personal. He became my best friend. Mm. I, I, I just, I don't know how. <laughs> He became my best friend. And I realized that there's nothing that this world throws at me that Jesus and I can't handle. I want you guys to understand that. I know all of you are going through tough times. I know. It's part of life. 
here's what I do know. That there will be a day that I'll be able to stand before my Jesus. You got that, didn't you? I'll be able to thank him for what he's given to me. And that is so important for you to grab hold of. There's nothing in this world that you can't do with Jesus. You know, my grace is sufficient, as the Apostle Paul says. His grace is sufficient for me. Because guess what? In, in heaven, there are no handicapped parking spots. Amen. Amen, brother. We, uh, I mean, we have all, I mean, there aren't probably very many people listening to me that haven't had some kind of an interaction through a, a hospital scenario with a family member or a funeral or a wedding or whatever as you've been doing pastoral care for the last part of this journey. We all are, have been affected because of your accident when you were 19 years old. Because of that and because of your heart and because you, were, you allowed yourself to be drawn closer to God instead of farther away and let him be your personal shepherd instead of our shepherd and instead of, well, somebody else's shepherd. We've all been changed. And the interesting thing about that is, you know, when we're in green pastures and besides still waters, we talk about God. But it's when we're in the valley of the shadow of death, we talk to God. And I want you to talk to God mm. every day. Mm. That's the best part of it. Yeah, it draws us to or it draws yeah. us away. Right. We just want to say that we're committed to carrying on Love on Wheels legacy. Thank you. As you retire, you. we're committed to, to helping other people feel that love and to know that even in the hardships, even in the hard times, in this world you will find trouble. Take heart because I have overcome the world. There will we, be a day. We love you. Love you too, guys. Let me pray for you, bud. <clears throat> God, I just thank you for my buddy. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm thankful that he gets to... Uh, Retire, but I know what retirement's going to mean for him. It's going to mean going back to help mom take care of the farm and and brother and, and family down there. And and, and I know that that there, I know he's been away for a long time. And I agree with him. If this accident wouldn't have happened, he'd probably be down there farming already, and we would have missed out on an unbelievable journey of faith and love. Um, so. Lord, while we wouldn't have asked this on anybody, we are grateful that there's an example, a living example of a person who was able to allow the, the hardship to draw them closer to you. Just like Mary and Joseph did in the very first Christmas, Lonnie has been able to do that and has been our shining light. And we want to ask a blessing on him and on Dawn as they get ready to move, as they get, get all the details taken care of. Be with her and her family through this time as they've lost dad. And I know that's a good thing too because we know he is walking with you. But, but, but it's tricky, Lord. It's a tricky time of life. And I just want to pray your blessing on Lonnie and Dawn. Help them to know that they have been faithful, that they have run their good race, even if it was in a wheelchair, and they have been faithful and true. And, and you're looking down saying, well done, good and faithful servant, because that's what we believe. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Man. I love you. I love you.
I just had a good idea. I think we ought to put a statue, like a Michael Jordan statue. Yes. It ought to be Lonnie, like standing, don't you think? Wouldn't that be cool? Or you can, or you can put a statue out there and then you can just hug the statue. Oh, that works, yeah. Love you guys. We're going to miss the hugs, aren't we? Thank you, bud. <clears throat> Listen. I just, I just want to tell you that if you're going through pain and heartache this Christmas, I'm, we're not trying to make light of it. And I'm not going to tell you that this is a situation where I can say that I can feel your pain. But there's somebody here that can, and, and there is somebody around you that can. And there's a couple of scriptures I want to remind you of as I close up. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Okay. That, that's, that's, what I, that, that's what I believe. If you're, coming to, if you're Billy in this story, and I'll show you the conclusion, but if you're Billy in this story, you've you, you got to decide, are you going to go closer? If you've got intellectual issues, are you going to take the next step? That's all you can do to believe. If you've got emotional issues, are you going to trust and take the next step back towards God because he will come near to you? But here's the other side of that. The other side of that is where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be with them. Jesus said. So, so maybe if I phrase this in a different way, it would be this. I think it's in the presence of God's people that you experience God's peace. And that's why we're here. And that's why I love the analogy of Polar Express because you had to get on the train, right? And I, I love the main character boy because even though he had intellectual doubt, he still pulled the chain and stopped the train so that Billy with emotional issues could get on the train. And we want you to join us on the train. We don't have all the answers and not all of us are going through the same thing that you're going through emotionally, but I want to challenge you to get on the train. And I want to challenge all of our people that Christmas Eve is the time when you can invite other people. We, we literally pull the chain and we stop the train. And we say, hey, everybody, come and get on. We're going to have 24 services, all right? Come and get on any, any way that you can. And this is the time of year that you can do that to anybody because they're putting baby Jesus in their front yard for crying out loud. So if they're putting baby Jesus in their front yard, then, then just say, hey, why don't you come to church with me? Because people are open to that, and they can find their peace in the presence of God's people. Our Christmas Eve services are off the chain. They're going to be amazing services. You may want to come to an early one and then go back and tell your friends about it and, and bring them back because we got so many of them. You could do that if you want to. My question for you is just who are you going to invite to come and, and be a part of this? I got a note this morning from, uh, we, we, we had a, a lady who was here, had been a part of Parkview for a while, and her son struggled with drug addiction. And he was doing really, really well. It's one of those typical stories where he was doing really, really well, and then he had a relapse and had a, a, a heroin overdose and passed away. And then Lonnie did the funeral a couple of weeks ago. And people kept coming to, to Gigi saying, hey, how can we support you? How can we support you? She said, just come to church with me. So last weekend, there were like 40 friends of hers that just came to Parkview and be in the presence of God. And, and, and they, even, they even took a picture. They were so excited, they even took a picture. They, they were like, hey, we're all here. Let's take a picture in front of the, 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 the Orland campus. And here's what I got to tell you again. It's in the presence of God's people that you experience God's peace. And if you will make one small step to get on the train... You'll hear the bell, I promise you. Here's the conclusion. We're going to pass the uh, communion trays in just a moment. Um, this is a time for you to 
ring the bell, get on the train. You don't have to be from Parkview. If you believe, even if you're deciding today that you want to believe, we welcome you to commune with us. Take both cups out as they come by and just hold them. Listen, I, you can't always explain God, but, but I believe God is undeniable. What's undeniable is that 2,000 years ago, a baby showed up in a manger in Bethlehem, and we're still talking about that child, even though he was a poor carpenter's son. He had a crazy message as he grew up about love and about forgiveness. He claimed to be the light of the world, and there's no reason why that message should have made it out of first century Palestine. We should have never heard of the name of Jesus, except that he did something else preposterous. He told everybody that he was going to die and rise again, and we've got hundreds of eyewitnesses that happened after that that said, you know what, we can't explain it, but we've seen him, he's alive. And they begin to give their life to perpetuate that story. And it's still here. And I still see the effects of that story, of the power and the peace that exists in my life for everyone who embraces Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They've gone from darkness to light. I can't always explain it, but it's undeniable. And at some point, you're going to have to decide. Take the first step on the staircase, just get on the train. Humble yourself like a child and believe. Most people quit believing, but the bell keeps ringing for those who do. Can I ask you to repeat what Peter used as the good confession is what we call it. It's when, when Jesus said, who do people say that I am? And Peter gave us this line that I just want to ask you to repeat. Don't, don't say it if you don't mean it, but, but if you do, it's a good time for you to say, I believe with me, and then I'll pray. Repeat after me. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and he is my Lord and Savior. Lord God, I thank you for the thousands of times that I've heard Lonnie lead us in that and lead people in that as Lon the Baptist has helped people find their way into the tub and get baptized. I thank you for him and his legacy and his ministry and we pray that we can just have a big party as it's time for them to go. And Lord, for all of us that, that just said that, that wanna have communion with you right now, we don't have all the intellectual answers and we don't have all the emotional things taken care of in our life. There are some things that we would like to be different. There are some questions that we would like to have answered, but right now we're just going to tell you we believe. We're just going to hit send. We're just going to take that first step and we're going to commune with you right now and accept the gift of forgiveness in our life. Thank you. We do believe. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.